Welcome to Talk Commerce, where we explore how merchants, agencies, and developers experience commerce and the communities they work and live in. This week, we interview Michael Turk, Senior Director of Solution Consulting with Spryker. We start off the show with how Brent tricked Michael into running a marathon. Think about that for a second. How does anybody get tricked into running a marathon? We discuss the origins of Spryker Commerce. We examine headless versus monolith and dispel the notions that headless makes things complicated. We dive into what makes solutions too complicated and how can we make them easier. Finally, we look at some very impressive stats on checkout rates for B2B and B2C stores on Spryker. The Talk Commerce podcast is sponsored by SwiftDotter. E-commerce developers solve problems daily. In fact, some of those seem like mountainous hurdles that must be climbed in a matter of hours. Stress levels can go through the roof. No wonder the plague of burnout affects developers too. Ah, but there's a vaccine for that. Investing time in your career will take you farther than you ever imagined. Meet Swift Daughter. Swift Daughter exists to help you become the e-commerce hero that is indispensable and irreplaceable at your company. We do this through Magento Certification Study Materials and Joseph Maxwell's most recent book, The Art of E-Commerce Debugging. Go to swiftotter.com to learn more about how you can quickly climb the ranks in your quest to be a better developer. While you're there, use the coupon code TALKCOMMERCE for 15% off any digital goods at swiftotter.com. TalkCommerce is brought to you by eWay Corp. Cloud is a new normal for companies of any size. Buying, maintaining, upgrading, and disposing of machines is expensive and complicated. Amazon Web Services, managed by eWay Corp, offers an easy-to-use, flexible, cost-effective solution to all your infrastructure needs. eWay Corp can provide a secure, reliable, scalable, high-performance network that will make your office hum. Not literally. Eway Corp has saved its customers an average of 31% on their IT costs while adding 62% to the bottom line efficiency. To top that, their customers have seen 43% fewer security incidents. Go to eWayCorp.com to learn how you can start saving money and headaches by moving to the cloud. That's E-W-A-Y-C-O-R-P.com. My name is Brent Peterson and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. Welcome to Talk Commerce. I have Mikhail Turk. I'm just going to say Michael because I can't pronounce it. Mikhail. Uh, And uh, Michael, why why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell us what you do, and um, a little bit of maybe one of your passions. Hello, Brent. Uh... My name is Michael Turk, uh, or you can call me Michael if you want. Um, I am from Germany. We have this weird pronunciation of names over here. And um, I used to be in the Magento scene, so I was happy to get to know you like, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years ago. Um, it was always a pleasure to be out there in Vegas with you and the other guys from the wild Magento scene. And um, yeah, so I started as a developer, then later on um, moved towards a consulting role uh, in my former company. Like it's a German um, 
solution partner for, for Magento. And then in 2017, I was kind of fed up of running an agency and uh, looked for an opportunity um, on the product side. And that's when I joined Spryker. Um, Spryker is like uh, the new kid on the block of e-commerce systems, or it was by that time. Um, I, I feel we we have grown up quite a bit in the meantime, and um, I'm leading um, the consulting team over here. Yeah, so it's a wild ride. Um, passions. Oh, I have so many passions. So first of all, I have to name my, my family. I have three little children. Um, they are giving me a, a tough time from time to time. And um, and then I like sports. I like running with you guys. Uh, you tricked me into a marathon once. Um, that was uh, a, a very great experience. And um, uh, I like all kinds of stuff. So I'm, I'm full of passion, I guess. Yeah, I, I like uh, that you say I tricked you into marathon because you <laughs> actually did the marathon and yeah. uh, very impressive. So that was 2016, I remember. Yeah. And um, we all signed up and you were the only one to get in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like, in hindsight, it was a great experience. Um, everybody told me, please, like I wasn't really trained. I, I I did like three weeks of real preparation up front, and uh, and my my wife told me, please before like please stop before you fall down dead. Um, and, and like I guess they knew me, so I I I had to go all the way, little below four hours. I I guess it's quite on it's quite yeah, quite okay. You had a very good time, so um. I, I very yes, so very impressed with your and time I, and, 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 your... and just, just to underline this, I'm really thankful for for uh, for that trick. <laughs> You're very welcome. Let's do it again. <laughs> uh, let's do. Uh, I I want to read. I did it the next year. Let's do the Berlin Marathon again, or or the Munich Marathon, or like, Let's do New or... York. I would really like to do New York. Okay, deal. <laughs> next year, not this year. Next year. Yep, absolutely. All right, so we're not here to talk about marathons. We're here to talk about Spryker yeah. and, uh, and e-commerce. But I'm most excited about Spryker. Um, I know there's, there's some emerging and exciting e-commerce platforms coming out of... There's always been great things coming out of Germany. Um, not, not, not everything that came out of Germany was exciting and good, but yeah. I guess in e-commerce... That might be true. Yeah, let's let's frame that around the e-commerce world. Um, uh, but tell us a little bit about Spryker um, and and some of its strong points. Well, let's just do an intro to Spryker. Let's start there. So going back to the 2010 years, so I guess around 2010, um, there was this young project. Uh, it was called Zalando. It's still around. Uh, it's now the largest uh, fashion retailer in Europe. Um, and they started this e-commerce experience. And they started it based on Magento by the time. And they really had this very ambitious timeline. And um, they wanted to sell. Like in the beginning, they just sold fashion. And they did this real lucky deal with one of the TV stations where they um, were able to, to have an advertisement uh, deal. And that's when the numbers, the page impressions, the order numbers, etc., they went through the roof. So by 
like at, at, at a certain point in time, they had multiple, I believe, tens of thousands servers active uh, to really um, run this uh, this platform based on Magento. So they decided themselves, okay, we, we have certain ambitions in terms of scaling on the technical side, but also on the business side. We want to be able to really go forward fast. We want to try out new things. We want to roll out to new markets. And that's when it decided it's time for a different platform that provides uh, the, uh, that agility and also the scalability. And that's when they created their own platform. They, they, they I believe they developed it in four months. And uh, so they obviously were successful. And then the development team was given the task to repeat that over again, over and over and over again. So they created their internal platform Initially, it was called Alice and Bob. That was the first iteration. They created again, uh, which was called Even Z. And that Even Z product was spinned off in 2014 to be Spryker. By that time, it was a pure framework. So it does, didn't do anything. Um, it just provided a lot of um, developer resources that developer could use to create an e-commerce experience based on it. And um, so that was the product. It was born in November of 2014. And then over the years, uh, our developers, product owners, etc., they added more and more and more functionality. So until I would say 2016, they provided everything that you would require in a B2C project. Then 2017, 18, they provided B2B. Um, and then the most recent years we provide a lot of functionality around things like unified commerce and marketplaces so in 2021 today we have a platform that is based on a lot of existing we like we call them packaged business capabilities so a lot of isolated um, uh, packages of, of 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 functionality like products and search and i don't know checkout and then maybe in b2b you have stuff like multiple levels of, of user accounts um, and you can pick and choose from those capabilities um, the capabilities themselves are all headless so they just provide apis to the outside world uh, we also provide a front end that makes use of the apis uh, and and um, we also changed from an on-prem version uh, to um, like pat we call it platform as a service so we run it for most of our customers as well so basically our customers buy a platform that gives them a lot of functionality in all kinds of different digital business models they pick and choose from that they create their own specific environment they create their own functionalities on top of that and then provide it to their customers Okay, so it's it's similar to Adobe Commerce in the sense that it's hosted by Spryker, the back end is hosted, but the client has a full uh, ability to modify the code and, and yeah. extend on that code. Mm -hmm. And so the front end uh, capabilities, um, you said headless completely is the is the integrated or the the front end that comes with it integrated or is it also natively headless no no it's uh, the, the front end itself like so we provide uh, four uh, reference applications that you can use to start 
different types of uh, business uh, business models. So we have a, a boilerplate for B2C, we have one for B2B, we have one for marketplaces, and we have one for unified commerce. So you have click and collect and stuff. Uh, but those are standalone applications. They are based on PHP, just like the backend, but it like the front-end applications, for example, don't have any access to the database. Um, in between them, there is this API layer, we call it a glue. Um, and that API layer provides all the functionalities that you would expect, like um, like depending on the use case. Um, and um, so the front-end application is a standalone application. We have customers who create front-ends based on, I don't know, Vue Storefront, for example, or even React-JS ba React based or, or Vue-JS based um, applications they build from scratch. Um, and that's uh, absolutely possible. Okay. Wow. So um, that's sort of the way things are going. So would you yeah. say that in Germany, you would compete against somebody like Commerce Tools or, or, um, or Shopware? <laughs> I don't, I don't believe that we are in much of a competition with shoppers because I, our target audience is, is typically much bigger than um, shopware clients. Um, we are um, in a lot of pitches together with the likes of obviously Magento, but uh, commerce tools, SAP, Salesforce, so a lot of the big players that, that everybody knows. Um, yeah, so. So how about, like, how about some of the things that a merchant would ask, like time to market and uh, cost of ownership, things yeah. like that? Um, so we believe that the most important KPI for us, but also for most of our clients is speed. So it's all about time. It's all about time to, we call it time to value. Yeah, so because time to market is important, but but like, I guess it's about uh, how fast can you create value for our clients, and um, and we feel pretty comfortable uh, in in that regard. The reason for this is, again, so the system provides a lot of features out of the box. So if you are, let's say, a B two B customer. Um, and you want to sell your 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 products to your target audience that you have been engaging with field agents, for example, in the past. So now in another channel would be the digital channel. So people expect certain things, and we believe that we have most of that as part of, of the product already. So it should be delivered out of the box. And then like the system was built to be adaptable. So um, there are certain mechanisms that we provide that like agencies like Vagento could use to, to create custom functionalities. Um, it's like from an engineering point of view, it is created in a much more disciplined way than the likes of Magento, for example. Um, so there's a lot of solid criteria in place. Um, the developers out there should know that term um the headless it's it's fully headless so so it's headless by heart if you if you like and um that sets customers up to be up and running really quickly yeah so uh, tco is always something worth discussing um 
but but I, I'm not quite sure if it makes sense to discuss it on a, on a theoretical level. Yeah, so so whenever we discuss something with a client, we try to sit down and estimate the mandates that would have to be invested to get a certain uh, sophistication level, but uh, and then also how much um, how much would you have to spend to run it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and we like to have an all-in price, at least for the license plus um, the operations. Yeah, so so the customer has the TCO number upfront. Got it. And so you had you had mentioned uh, performance and speed as the priority. Uh, how do you ensure that with having a separate layer? Do you, because the customer can build whatever they want on the front end. Yeah. Um, is, it, do you have some kind of framework around the front end so you can ensure some, some kind of like one second load times and then ensuring that the API response times are going to match that? Yeah. So one second is much too slow, by the way. Step up your game, Brent. I know you can do better. You're, you're a fast guy. Uh, no, we, we believe you should be like our, our reference time is 250 milliseconds. Um, and so always it's, it's, it's always a bit risky to ensure like to, to guarantee kind of certain reaction times. But uh, we have a framework. We have a lot of uh, conventions in place that um, make sure that the custom code will be able to deliver the same speed. Um, also, the architecture um, behind the scenes will uh, will ensure certain parts of that. So this, in fact, the, the headless architecture we built it because before headless was even a term, and but we didn't build it because we wanted a multi-touch point um, uh, environment that that is necessary nowadays. It wasn't necessary in 2010. But um, we build it because it was necessary to provide that scalability that we like that the people expected from Zalando by the time. Yeah, so um, like the one system that generally uh, limits scalability is the database. Yeah, so we had to make sure that we limit the number of requests that go directly to the database and uh, make sure that we have a lot of things in between that make sure we can provide the reaction times even though we have high load, load uh, high uh, high uh, page impression numbers and and session numbers, etc. So what I, I mean, I just just to sort of help merchants understand the idea of headless and and I know that sometimes other platforms like Shopify would introduce the complexity of headless. And I had a very interesting conversation earlier with uh, Yisa Ritzma about headless and, and the thought about deploying it, if you're a merchant and you have to deploy your your um, your stack, right? You think about, I'm just, it's going to, like in Magento's case, we're going to deploy a monolith. We're going to deploy yeah. everything at once. So basically you're shoveling all this dirt into from one bucket into the next bucket, right? <laughs> and if you think about the fact that your back end is there and it's running and it's great. And now you have a front end that's there and it's running and it's great. And yeah. all you've made them do is a modification to your front end. Yeah. Why do you need to deploy both things at the same time? So I know that from well, you a- don't. 
Right, exactly. So that that's I think that's one of the things that I'm trying to dispel with with merchants and help them to understand that headless doesn't have to mean complex and costly. Headless means um, means that you are going to save time and you are going to save potential errors by only deploying what you need to deploy. And and if you if you take that one step further it actually makes it easier to debug things because you don't have to sort of sift through this huge bucket of code that's been newly deployed yeah. to a server. You know that this only this one little piece gets deployed. Yeah. And just to take that a little further, um, like typically, like you know that I guess you have a couple of front-end developers and back-end developers in the agency, and they are fairly, fairly different people. And they make use of totally different technologies. So the front-end developers, they use things like HTML, JavaScript, and, um, and, and SAS or CSS or whatever you use. It, it depends on the project, obviously. Um, and the back-end developers make use of things like PHP, um, some kind of SQL, um, and then maybe transformation logic based on XSLT or whatever Yeah, you use there. And um, so it totally makes sense to give front-end developers their own home turf and back-end developers their own system. And every time they want to, like, obviously they have to work together in a project. Um, so whenever they, like the front-end developer needs something from the back-end developer, they sit down together and create a contract. And that is the API. Yeah, so, and from that point on, the front-end developer can work on the, on the implementation, they mock, the APIs, yeah. So they def like they create uh, a, like some kind of a demo that they can use to develop without having to rely on the backend developer. And the backend developer will like the API is what like is it's what he has to provide. So so he will work on creating that API, and um, and that means by providing a dedicated front end application you give the front-end developers their own system and you make them work in parallel with the guys in the back-end, which obviously speeds up development, yeah, because you can do things uh, in parallel that you had to do sequentially in the past. And, um, and, and, and you are right in that spot. I, I don't believe in the, in the story of uh, differentiation will be in the front-end only in the future. So that's like a, a lot of people try to sing that song i believe uh, in order to different differentiate your business you will have to create business logic as well uh, but but obviously it's not it's not the same thing so sometimes you need more more stuff not more work on the back end sometimes you need more work on the front end it's 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 rarely just mirrored yeah so so that's why it's always nice to have different applications for different developers and different purposes. Yeah, so they can work independently. Let, let me go to the other extreme. And we experienced this with a large client that wanted to do a headless rollout, but had a lot of functionality that they built in. And their, their idea was to build small little node microservices that would do certain functionality. So they could use a specific backend and then build all these little custom node things that would do the, some of the logic, 
then what then have sort of this bigger you know angular front end and what happened is and so then we we did our job in latin america they did theirs in benelux and uh, we did ours on adobe and we had the luxury of building all the logic directly into magento commerce where they had to build all these little microservices and we finished dramatically faster than them yeah yeah Uh, and i believe probably cheaper Uh, (laughs) so can you kind of speak to that on on how you would build out some of those customizations so i i also i would agree i i like i thought about microservices a lot in the past and obviously you could create and you can create microservices around spryker too um but like i'm not a huge fan of microservices in the commerce domain uh, first of all uh, multiple entities in the commerce domain um are, have pretty strong uh, dependencies on each other yeah so um like for example discounts you, you want to be able to create discounts but then you start doing like you could create the, a, a microservice on that for that obviously um but then you would uh, you would enable like, like discounts for certain customers customer groups based on order history based on the card based on multiple things and that's when you build a lot of dependencies into that microservice so you have you still have that microservice but you create a lot of communication between this microservice and many others which means that you didn't reduce complexity in the overall picture but you you moved it from within the application to communication between different microservices and I would, I would assume that this is only a good situation for companies that are really mature in terms of digital development. Yeah. So, and that's like 0.01% of the companies out there. Um, we, we like to handle this a different way. So again, uh, we provide our functionalities as uh, so-called PBCs, package business capabilities. And we allow our customers to create their own PPCs within the same environment. So that means we will take care of infrastructure. One thing less you have to do because microservices have to be run. Somebody has to take care of running them. The second is um, we will like, obviously, whenever you run it in the same environment, you should stick to the same uh, technology stack. So whoever has a look at um, at um, like a certain micros like Microsoft a certain functionality. Uh, it doesn't really matter if it's their own one or if it's ours. It's the same technology stack, so it's understandable. And also, we force people to stick with our conventions as as long as like as mu- as much as possible, which makes it even more readable, understandable, maintainable, etc. etc. And then obviously, what helps is a lot of functionality out of the box so one reason why you were faster certainly is that you could rely on a lot of functionality that um, adobe provided to you and we'll do it just as much maybe a little more (laughs) of course yes (laughs) okay so you know just coming back to helping maybe a merchant understand what we're talking about on microservices and monolith if you think about your e-commerce site as one big circle, 
we're talking headless, we're going to split that circle in two. And we're going to connect those two with some little wires to make sure that they're talking to each other. Yeah, microservices continues to split those circles in little bits. And I think as you as you rightly said, the complexity gets, you can go as complex as you like. But if you can't manage that complexity and across all those pieces, then it really, really makes it much more complicated than ever needed. And there's like, I think you, I think you're rightly to say it's probably a 0.1% use case where that minute complexity in microservices is needed for any one client. Yeah, in the end, it's a question of how big a microservice can be. Um, so I would assume commerce itself could be one service in such a such an environment um, that that belongs together. So if you have a larger picture, for example, in B2B, you oftentimes have some kind of a customer portal, then commerce is just one piece. And then that piece is, 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 a, is a service and you have, for example, communication and um, contract, contract maintenance or whatever as part of that, that could be other main uh, other other services that might be but that might make sense. Yeah, so building everything into one platform still is not the best choice, I guess, but it should be a conscious decision to um, to split up things into multiple services. Yeah, I want to I want to just touch back on the performance because you rightly said don't think as at one second as being fast. Um, yeah, because I think and this is directly directed at Adobe Commerce uh, and at the Luma theme specifically. <laughs> you know, I, we've all been placated into thinking that four seconds is an okay load time, and the, you know, there's all kinds of new things happening in our community, and PWA is one of those, but even the PWA another one Hufa, right even PWA out of the box like it it performs at two seconds or one second and I yeah. think that you know pushing things to their to their nor like what we expect we in the Magento ex community expected four seconds and everybody was happy with that for five years I don't know if happy is the right word but they were <laughs> they they tolerated it and yeah. I can even say that you know I came to Europe and did some training on merchants who are on Magento Commerce. And, you know, first thing they said is, why does our site load in 10 seconds? And I think it's crazy. Why would it load in 10 seconds? Everybody has to be aware of this speed and how fast things should go. And then the next thing is everybody should be aware of that mobile. And, it, you know, I think us in the Western world are a little spoiled in the fact that we still use our desktop computers quite a quite a bit. Our desktop computers are going to be a little bit faster than our mobile phones. But we need to look at what is the performance on the mobile side to make sure that we are also attaining that half second or quarter second uh, load times on our on our site. And I think it's, I think it's great that you are your benchmark is 250 milliseconds. And before the show ends here, I'd like to get some sites that we can put in our show notes where people can see how well Spriker performs. So first of all, I guess I guess I can also like is is this just provided as audio or video too? We'll have video, yeah. So I will share one slide if that's all right. Okay. So yeah. I, I, 
So you should see that slide now, right? Um, yes. Wait, hold on. Yep, I see it. Wow, good. So we just created this um, together with our clients. And, and this is not a sales video, by the way. No, Mikhail. no, Mikhael like, just came and this on. This is not a sales nicely. slide. Yes. It would look different as a sales slide. So this <laughs> okay, is one of good. our technician slides. Um, so we just created um, different scenarios together with our clients. So we we have huge rollouts for projects in a couple like in, in the coming months, and um, we are asked for different numbers. So they are the big five in terms of performance, which is catalog search, product detail page. Add to cart, place order, and then place order comes with two flavors, two items. It's a kind of a B2C-ish and uh, 70 items. That's the B2B version where you have much larger uh, carts. And as you can see over here, like we have a pretty large projects. So, yeah, so, so also just if you explain it, because we this will come out as a podcast. Yeah. So we have three, three different scenarios here. So the growing numbers. The first one um like measures around 15,000 order placements per minute so those numbers are per minute um so we have we have a like it's it's like a mid-size cloud infrastructure we have uh, um 80 cpus as i call it over here um which is quite an ambitious e-commerce project but again like i guess performance numbers are about ambitious projects yeah and just 80 cpus is just across all the boxes that are all there and they exactly. that would include virtual cpus obviously that would that would include the front end application the api application the back end application the database elasticsearch as search engine uh, redis as a content storage so everything that you would yeah. need to run this application are covered by 80 CPUs. And and what we did over here was uh, we, we simulated um, like it was like a ramp up. So you start at zero and then you grow numbers over time and you you check at what point does the application break? Yeah, so at one point at one point to do like, I believe we have a threshold of 400 milliseconds. And uh, as long as we stay below 400 milliseconds with more than 90% of the requests, that's when the application is working and as soon as we like fall below 90 percent so at some point you cannot handle more requests more requests more requests that's when we say okay now it's breaking and uh, so the numbers are pretty high i can say that much um so it's uh, like we can manage in this like mid-size low-size uh, cloud infrastructure we can handle more than 17,000 catalog searches, 47,000 requests to the product detail page, and then um, 20,000 20, add to carts and, and almost uh, 20,000 order placements. All of that um, on, on this uh, environment. And then we scaled that. And, and the, oftentimes the question is not, like in terms of uh, scalability is not how fast can you deliver uh, more numbers, but how how would more resources give me more output? Yeah, that's, that, that's basically what scalability means. And then we scaled it to 1700 CPUs, which is a big infrastructure. And based on that, we would be able to, to provide approximately 80,000 order placements per minute. So each and every second, we would provide like 1300 order placements. 
Yeah, so each a second, each and every second, each and every second we are talking, this one would be providing 1300 new orders uh, in B2C. And in B2B, obviously, that takes a little longer, uh, 20, 21,000 uh, order placements uh, per minute. Yeah, so um, from my point of view, that's quite impressive. And um, I let you judge it um, if if you would ever be able to run such an environment. Basically, yeah, I think that most store most merchants are just drooling over just having to have those numbers, and wouldn't that be great? <laughs> that's <laughs> we, really we, good. We did that actually because we were challenged. Like so, obviously, whenever um, uh, customers like Aldi. Um, like uh, one of the top 10 retailers in the world, like they, they don't just buy a, a software, they will make their due diligence. And they, in fact, they challenged us on, on numbers like this. We added a little more on top of it. Yeah. So, so we didn't, uh, we didn't go ahead and, and just, um, uh, stayed on their numbers. We added more, um, I believe like the, the the top numbers we saw on the right that's not um something um i, I would say there are like 10 10 retailers in the world that would right now be able to provide numbers like that in a real environment but that's we really would, good we would be able to provide it all right so this is this uh this interview is going a lot faster than i thought and we're running out of time so help, help me sort of summarize so slower right yeah, it's slower. Um, yeah, it's just the, this is the 256, 250 millisecond interview. Um, <laughs> help me kind of summarize Spriker for our listeners. And um, it, it's available in the US or not? Yeah, we have just like we have got an investment round in December of last year, um, where we collected like, I believe, $130 million. And um, that dollar is, is going to be spent in the US, as far as I, I can tell. Um, so, so obviously, the US is the largest e commerce market in the world. So that's the most interesting. We have a couple of clients over there already, including Rico, one of the printer companies. Um, we have uh, like a couple of uh, smaller clients like uh, Murdochs.com um, and Sourceability, one of the largest marketplaces in the world. Um, but we are looking, obviously, we're looking for, for more. Uh, we're looking for more growth. We have a team of 20 people on the ground already. And um, looking for new clients, looking for new partners. So feel free to, to, uh, to contact us. Yeah, great. Uh, so we're going to have to do a follow-up because I have a whole bunch of questions about Marketplace that we didn't even get to. Um, B2B, B2C, there's so many things that we could talk about. Um, yeah. But... Let's uh, let's uh, wrap things up. So tell me a little bit. What what are you listening to on podcasts? What are you reading in books? What's interesting to you right now? So I'm not I'm not a huge podcast listener. Uh, I listened, and that's not uh, except like, for Talk Commerce, which yeah, obviously I, listen, you've listened I, I wanted to. to say that I listened to Talk Commerce um, while I was playing some golf the last couple of weeks. Um, and um, I read a couple of books. So Tim O'Reilly is, uh, is always a good read. So I, I really like his book, WTF, uh, What's the Future and Why It's Up to Us. I, that, that's worth reading. It's, it's also a good, a good 
blast from the past because he he starts in the past and he goes all the way to the future and it's really like i admire him for his for his yeah for his writing um it's entertaining and uh, and at the same time it's educational um then yeah so a lot of like i i like david pink for example if you if you're into sales so i had to start with sales at some point so, so i like to read him um yeah and besides that i'm reading a lot of blogs and, and tech crunch and whatever so uh, books books are most of the times just giving you wisdom from the past so right okay so how about uh what what if you had something you could tell a merchant what what would you tell them a B2C merchant, let's say. Well, B2C is tough because um, me personally, I, I really I really am not entirely sure if, if, if B2C is not gone already. So you have to have a huge brand in B2C to really be successful because like we are all in a, in a battle for attention and like the Amazons of this world get so much attention. I guess you order there once or twice a day just like me um so so b2c is really tough so i i, I guess to a to a, to a b2c person who does not have a huge brand i would go ahead and say maybe creating your online shop like in the next fashion online shop doesn't really make a lot of sense maybe try to find yourself a marketplace where you can use the attention the marketplace draws uh, from the market um b2b is much a much different d discussion it's uh, behind b2c i would say four to five years and that means that there's much more uh, much more to be one than in b2c um and then like if you want to if you want to go to any kind of market i would say try to be extraordinary try to try to try to go like try to think about what is your client actually looking for what what are their pain points what is what is the, what are their desires and what can you create that gives them an, an extra enjoyable or an extra efficient way to purchase certain things because they just want to solve their personal problems even in professional environments let's be let's be honest here everybody tries to get their personal stuff done first uh, even if if it helps them do their job um so so what can you do to make anybody's life a little easier and a little better and that's what you should do excellent all right and the, so the final thing i always ask is uh, give yourself a shameless plug on anything you'd like to plug <laughs> that's a tough one uh i I don't really, I don't really know. So I, I guess there's a lot of, a uh, lot of weird news out there. Um, please be safe, everybody. <laughs> there's, uh, there's this pandemic out there, and I, I got, I just got my second jab. Yes, no, the day before yesterday, I got a pain in my back right now. Um, but get vaccinated. Let's get through this. Let's get behind this so we can go back to the life we had before. I can see that uh, picture of a run behind you. I was part of that run as well. 
um let's let's get back to that yeah and in order to do so let's let's work together let's get everybody vaccinated let's let's get back to normal absolutely yeah uh, i would like to come to the um heidelberg heidelberg uh, 50k in the mountains heidelberg aye, right aye, aye. Aye, aye, yeah aye. so we're going to do that together i think i so far have uh i have Venai Kopp who's going to do it i have thomas fleck now i have Mikhail turk and um uh, who else uh, to, uh stefan vilkomer we're all going to do it together it's going to be great or jungfrau the one where we you go up the mountain in switzerland yeah no no, no like you're having that, really bad ideas nowadays those are good all right <laughs> so my my little shameless plug is going to be promoting our idea of a hackathon and unconference so i'm wearing my unconference from 2019 from cologne but we want to do a hackathon in orlando florida in uh, in january of 2022 we'll do a hackathon sounds... and unconference and um spriker nice. spriker will be welcome yeah so give somebody a great great platform to do some development yeah and then uh disney world is there so my Why kids not? are too young and I'm too old. So what? <laughs> kids are never too young to go to Disney World. My kids were there when they started at like two years old. So okay. something fun for everybody. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Michael. Thank you for joining. This has been very informative and uh, we definitely have to do a follow up. Uh, maybe just talk about marketplaces. Yeah, let's do that. I'm, I'm all I'm all in. Great. Have a it great was great afternoon. talking to you. Yep. Uh, nice to see you as well. Yeah, nice so. to see you. Choose. Ciao. Bye. The Talk Commerce Podcast is sponsored by Swift Daughter. E-commerce developers solve problems daily. In fact, some of those seem like mountainous hurdles that must be climbed in a matter of hours. Stress levels can go through the roof. No wonder the plague of burnout affects developers too. Ah, but there's a vaccine for that. Investing time in your career will take you farther than you ever imagined. Meet Swift Daughter. Swift Daughter exists to help you become the e-commerce hero that is indispensable and irreplaceable at your company. We do this through Magento Certification Study Materials and Joseph Maxwell's most recent book, The Art of E-Commerce Debugging. Go to swiftotter.com to learn more about how you can quickly climb the ranks in your quest to be a better developer. While you're there, use the coupon code TALKCOMMERCE for 15% off any digital goods at SwiftDotter.com. TalkCommerce is brought to you by eWay Corp. Cloud is the new normal for companies of any size. Buying, maintaining, upgrading, and disposing of machines is expensive and complicated. Amazon Web Services, managed by eWay Corp, offers an easy-to-use, flexible, cost-effective solution to all your infrastructure needs. eWay Corp can provide a secure, reliable, scalable, high-performance network that will make your office hum, not literally. eWay Corp has saved its customers an average of 31% on their IT costs while adding 62% to the bottom-line efficiency. To top that, their customers have seen 43% fewer security incidents. Go to eWayCorp.com to learn how you can start saving money and headaches by moving to the cloud. That's E-W-A-Y-C-O-R-P.com. Thank you again for listening. My name is Brent Peterson, and it has been my pleasure to be your host today. 
please rate and subscribe to Talk Commerce. New shows out every week.